Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. This is your host Ashley. We are here for another episode. This time we are going over premenstrual disorders, um, premenstrual disorders that cause mood disorders or that are mood disorders. We're going to find out all about the nitty gritty of premenstrual disorders and how it can affect your mental health today. Um, we've got a very special guest. We've got Laura from IAPMD. Laura, can you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about the organization um, that you're with? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Laura Murphy. I'm based in the UK, um, about half an hour outside of London. I um, live with my partner and our two little fur babies. Um, I work for IAPMD as the Director of Education and Awareness. Um, IAPMD, bit of a mouthful, stands for International Association for Premenstrual Disorders. Nice, nice. So um, we're just going to hop right into it. Like, what is a premenstrual disorder for those people out there that have no clue what that is? Okay, so the core, the two core premenstrual disorders are PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and PME, which is premenstrual exacerbation. So PMDD is a hormone-based mood disorder, which affects around one in 20 women and assigned female at birth individuals. And it's a mood disorder, which is only... It only occurs, the symptoms are only there in the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. So that is between ovulation and around the time of your period. We'll talk more about that later. And then there's also the very much lesser known PME, which is premenstrual exacerbation, which is essentially the exacerbation of any existing disorder in the build-up to your period. So at IAPMD, we focus primarily on more psychiatric disorders such as um, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, could be schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, any condition that gets where the symptoms worsen in the build up to the period. Um, it can also happen with more physical disorders, so fibromyalgia, arthritis, etc. Um, are kind of known for flaring in the in the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. So PMDD is a proper diagnosis as in an official diagnosis. PME is not an official diagnosis yet. It's more of a phenomenon that's being studied by scientists at the moment. I see, I see. So obviously you've got an accent. So tell us where, where you're based and where you're from and then where is IMPD based or is it for everybody? Sure, it's for everybody. So I am based in Kent. So we have, instead of states, we have counties. We're quite, we're quite small. So I live in Kent, which is, you know, southeast of London. We have a, a lovely Norman castle, a nice cathedral. It's very beautiful. Do come if you can. <laughs> um, and then IAPMD, we are registered in Boston. However, we're an international organization. So I'm obviously in England. Um, we have another staff member, um, Laura TJ, who's in Wales. We have, my other colleagues are in Canada, Nova Scotia. Uh, we have people in Florida, the president's in Florida and the other director. 
some of our social media volunteers are in Sacramento and Denver and we have um, a youth advisory board that's all over we have clinical advisory board that's all over so we are very much um, an international organization we are we work predominantly online we're all remote and yeah we we try and be here for everyone Awesome. So you're telling me basically if you, whatever country you live in, you can reach out and, and have access to the resources that you provide. Most definitely. Yes. Awesome. So let's talk about some of the symptoms of PMDD. Like how, how, like how do you distinguish PMDD symptoms from regular like PMS symptoms? So in terms of um, distinguishing them, it's severity so with PMS, you know, there might be unpleasant symptoms that don't um, disable your life in any way. They're unpleasant. They might be a bit uncomfortable. I'm not saying they're nice, but, you know, they're certainly um, a lot easier to manage. With PMDD, it's ramped up to the point where the symptoms are um, impacting on your day-to-day life, your relationships, your education, your career, Um so the difference is mainly severity in terms of the actual symptoms it is different for everyone so some people may have a few days a month where it's very severe whereas others will have two just over two weeks a month where the symptoms are are present and other people so they have a bump around ovulation then they pick up again and then they have a bad time again as they lead up to their period so symptoms can include um, depression anxiety panic attacks um, generally feeling just very overwhelmed by life. Um, for some people, there's physical symptoms as well, breast tenderness and swelling. Um, leg pain gets reported a lot, leg and joint pain, uh, fatigue, uh, yeah, extreme exhaustion, um, sleep disruptions, another one. So either not being able to sleep or one I certainly had was hypersomnia, where I would literally, I'd sleep 18 hours a day and still be just utterly exhausted and and wiped out um i I think um the mood symptoms are the predominant ones in pmdd and some people do have physical symptoms as well but not everyone right right and how early can pmdd start like if you're you know a teenager and you get get your period and you start menstruating like are you can you have pmdd Definitely, we have people who are as young as 11, 12 that are showing symptoms from um, from their first period, from puberty. Um, And then it seems it can be triggered at any way along the path through your reproductive life um, up to menopause. Some people may not exhibit symptoms when perimenopause kicks in and those fluctuations start jumping up and down more, um, more frequently. Um, and also it, it can happen anytime throughout that but it seems to be related to some kind of stressor it's not quite understood why it occurs yet but for a lot of people it's related to a stressful event so that can be you know perhaps having a child it can be sort of a physically stressful event or you know a life stressful <laughs> event right. um, for some people you know it's um, having a termination for some people it's taking a birth control pill some people it's you know a, a, a big stressful life event having children having a second child having a third child right. you know all these things it's not quite understood why it kind of kicks in for mm. me yet 
That's very, very interesting. I know that um, I first discovered PMDD just because like I was going through being very depressed and I've always had terrible like periods and my mom has had the same thing. So even from when I was little, she used to kind of say, well, if you're anything like me, like this is the road you're going to go down and it's not going to be fun. Like once a month, life is going to suck for <laughs> a while. And so, I mean, <laughs> I guess I kind of grew up just thinking no that was the norm. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But it's like men tried to mentally prepare me, I guess, as best as she mm -hmm. could. Um, but I know that it's got to have some effect on like your brain and how you deal with things when you think that going through extreme pain every month is your norm. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, the same goes for, I think so many reproductive health conditions, you know, not just PMDD, but endometriosis, PCOS, um, adenomyosis, all these things that, you know, are happening cyclically can be really exhausting and take a real toll on the mental health, you know, whether it's extreme physical pain or, you know, in the case of PMDD, it's like extreme mental torture almost. And you know, that's coming every month. But I think a lot of people say, and I certainly felt it, um, sometimes it's almost a bit, when I say this, I haven't had children, but people compare it to childbirth. You know, your, your brain almost forgets how bad it was to prepare you to do it again. You know, you get to those good two weeks and you think it can't have been that bad, like right. it can't. And then a week later, you're there sort of, sobbing in a cupboard thinking yeah okay it is this bad you know it's your brain tries to protect you as best as it can right um yeah wow. there's like so how many people right now and like are there statistics on who's been affected with pmdd and how many people have been affected yeah so the best evidence we currently have is 5.5 percent of women and assigned female at birth individuals that's the, around one in 20. wow that's a lot. It's a high prevalence, yeah. Right. And um, so is PMDD recognized as a mood disorder? It's recognized currently officially as a hormone-based mood disorder. Hormone so it was made an official diagnosis back in 2013 when it went into the DSM-5. And then in 2019, it was added in the, um, as an international diagnosis in the ICD-11. Got it. Got it. I know the DSM-5 is what we use typically here in America um, when it comes to psychiatric disorders, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so if somebody is listening to this and they are, maybe this is like resonating to them, light bulb moment, um, what's the next step? Like, do they go to their, to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or do they go to their OBGYN? Like what would be the next step? So the first step would be to track your cycle. That's really important. Um, if you go to the IABMD.org website, you can find like a free downloadable paper tracker or there's a tracking app called MeVPMDD, which is really good. You can track your cycle. So the only way PMDD is currently diagnosed is through historical tracking there's no blood test there's no saliva test etc um, that can currently detect pmdd um, even though so in 2017 it was recognized that there's a genetic difference in those with pmdd to those without um, it's a malfunction in the brain in the way that the brain responds to hormone fluctuations so there is a true biological cause 
um, but the biomarkers haven't quite been figured out yet to to recognize it in a blood test and that may happen or it, it may not but um, some work is being done on that which is exciting um, so historical tracking is really important in terms of seeing a provider um, it is hit and miss um, it's something that people have a real issue with that's not just America that's the world over unfortunately where it is quite a new diagnosis and there's not enough training or education on it yet we're working on it it really does depend and um, there's a doctor provider list on our website where people can do a search for someone near them it really does depend you might see uh, your general practitioner who has really good knowledge because they have an interest you might see a psychiatrist or a um, OBGYN who's never heard of it so it's um it's worth doing a little bit of research first on our website and you can reach out to our peer support team and they'll help you locate someone but yeah having that information having that tracking information can be really valuable to to make a correct diagnosis because pmdd and pme can be you know quite easily confused depending on your symptoms so obviously you want to make sure that you're getting the correct diagnosis and the, the correct help so right. um we have a link on our website called um i think i have pmdd which is literally just a really handy you know bullet points it's got a really small i think five minute podcast just explaining the basics about pmdd some print-offs help to find a doctor and that's basically where i always send people because it just sort of covers the basics um yeah that would be and also actually my other bit of advice join support groups because that for me was an absolute literal lifesaver to connect with other people who were going through the same thing because it can really mess with your head I think especially yeah. you know so I think the average the average and this was international the average wait for an accurate diagnosis was 12 years you know so that's a lot of people living for a long time perhaps um, blaming themselves being told that they're or being or thinking that they're weak they can't cope with life like everyone else that you know all these things that we kind of gaslit into being taught as as women you know you're just not coping you're you're not strong enough yeah. you're not good enough all these things that kind of wear down on you and i think connecting with people who are in the same position the same sort of learning trajectory people who have the same um, kind of symptoms I think can just be so so useful so that is always one of the top things of my list just to connect with other people yeah definitely definitely I know that for myself I'm not in a support group but I'm kind of in a virtual support group I would say we don't really yeah. have meetings but just like a virtual platform for um, endometriosis which is like another thing yeah. that plagues women and like anybody with a vagina that's going mm -hmm. through you know, similar, like a lot of pain and, but that helped me quite a bit because I was going through some symptoms. And I think that's actually how I, I kind of found out about PMDD is there were quite a few people in there that were talking about PMDD and I didn't know what it was. And they were talking about similar like fluctuations in moods that they would go through around the times of their cycle or during their cycle or after that I felt were pretty much the same as what I was going through. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually, around that time, downloaded me versus PMDD. So it's mm -hmm. funny that when I popped onto your website, I saw that um, because I've had the app on my phone for 
a couple of years now, and I've suggested it to a couple of friends as well, but um, I think that probably helped me quite a bit to see, like, as I pop in every day and really think about and be aware of like how I'm feeling and actually seeing the fluctuations. So, okay, I'm very depressed today. And like yesterday I felt fine. And now I feel very down in the dumps. Like it's, this is just, it's I don't so want to do anything. To track it and write it down <laughs> yeah. because it just, and it's so easy to say, I'm supposed to be tracking myself at the moment and I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> this is your reminder. <laughs> it is my reminder that it's so important to, to, to track these things because it can just one it can help with a diagnosis two it can help just show providers and three I think that was most important for me it just kind of um can help your sanity sometimes when you're there yeah. thinking oh my god you know this is dark things are really dark and then you know you can sit and look up and think right okay it was like this last month you know you made it through it you know only you know three days until there should be the end of this you know yeah. it's yeah it makes such a difference though to to realize that there is something going on oh, and definitely. to attribute it to something and not just we, feel like you're floating around alone you just yeah i'm yeah. broken you know i went 17 years undiagnosed and my confidence was just so low so so low yeah. and i really just thought i was an awful person that couldn't yeah. cope that was week that was unable to function with life like everyone else you know all my friends had careers and relationships and all these things you're supposed to have you know if you want them, want them yeah. <laughs> now realize you know many of them are optional and uh but all these things and you're there kind of lost going well why can't I hold down a job why can't I hold down that why can't I do that and it really is it does awful things to your self-esteem completely I think so to have you know we call it the light bulb moment to have that moment where you're like oh my god this describes my life you know to sort of find out about it and be like that's me and then you realize you know it's sort of a biological I don't know if I call it a flaw but it's a biological reason as to to why I feel this way and it's out of my control in many ways you know I I think it's just so important for you know whether it be PMDD or or anything else you know women's health as a whole just needs to be vastly improved yes definitely definitely there's historically we have always been put on the back burner um and then you know there's other factors that come into that not just being women but there are also racial disparities there are disparities within like the LGBTQ community. Um, I know women and the LGBTQ community has like historically been underrepresented um, and in a lot of cases misrepresented in research. So has there been any new research that includes or focuses on um, these particular populations, whether it be Black women? Yeah, any particular demographic? Um, In terms of specific research, um, I would say no. the basics of PMDD are just being figured out, let alone subgroups, you know. I think there is some research currently going on, actually, going back. I'm just thinking uh, the head of our head chair of our clinical advisory board is currently doing something, including African-American women and CBT as intervention for 
premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, however, it's something that is very much on the radar for people. We're just working on, um, um, so in July, so in just a few weeks, it's gonna date your podcast, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so in July 2021, um, hold, IAPMD are holding the first ever PMDD roundtable. So that's bringing together 51 um, experts. So that's patient advocates, um, scientists, clinical researchers, doctors, gynecologists, writers, advocates to kind of push forward um, what research actually needs to look like in PMDD. And we have made sure that we have a diverse patient insight panel. So they're the ones that are going to, we've got 30 people from around the world bringing sort of their lived experience to the sort of forefront of this and making sure that we get a really diverse representation of what patients actually want the research to look like. Because we're the ones that have to live with it we're the ones that should be shaping what is actually being looked at and what is actually being done. Um, I think there's definitely so much room for research for LGBTQIA plus communities, for people of colour. Um, it's something that comes up a lot. We're very aware of it. It's something we want as an organisation. Um, and I think it will happen. It's just, it's also relatively new, you know, they're, they're still figuring out the very basics of what it causes and um, any subcategories for it. Yeah, but we definitely want it to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely, definitely the next move that, that I think needs to be made at research as a whole, not just for, you know, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. That is a mouthful. It is. <laughs> and premenstrual exacerbation, um, but women's health as a whole, uh, I know particularly as a Black woman, there here in America, there's a lot of, we've got a lot of things under a very large rug here in America when mm -hmm. it comes to women's health, particularly for Black women and, and the injustices that have been done in the past. Um, so it's my hope that, you know, moving forward, we will get the research that we we deserve and and be involved in those like like you're saying be at the table where these yeah. decisions are made because that's super important to have you know have our perspectives there most definitely i couldn't agree more and it's yeah it's it's just yeah it's just vital i don't know what more i can add to that it's just yeah you summed it up so well <laughs> <laughs> so i know that i mean for everybody that may not be, you know, peeking onto the Instagram, Laura is a white woman and she is the first white woman on Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Da, 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 da. Um, um, so I appreciate you, you know, coming coming into this space and, and giving your, your expertise and your information. Um, I really want anybody that is out there, all the Black women that are listening, um, IMPD is a re... I, I keep messing up. Messing it's okay, up. it takes time. <laughs> You just I, have to say it quickly in the end. IAPMD. <laughs> IAPMD is um, a resource that is for us. So, um, you know, they are making strides to become more inclusive, but at the same time, like definitely uh, go to their website, fill out the tracker, use the app. The app is awesome. I believe there's like a little questionnaire that you can do. Like, do I, 
Do I yeah, there's a self-screen. So if people are unsure if they might have PMDD or if they might have PME, there's a self-screen um, where people can take to kind of get an idea of which one they may have. And then once you get your answer to that, there's a little short um, podcast for each. It's about five minutes long that just explains, um, a, you know, the basics about both just to kind of get you started on your journey. Yes, awesome. And then um, Laura has uh, gracefully hooked us up with... Um, one of the is she a patient advocate you tell us a little bit about the our next guest that'll be coming on okay so it's a Dejiana. she is um as part of the pmtd roundtable back in january we recruited the 30 people from the world um to be on our patient insight panel so in terms of the the first step um they took part in lots of surveys um focus groups discussions to kind of form this official patient insight paper that will be presented um, on to all the other professionals on as part of the PMDD roundtable as part of the coalition so Dejiana was one of those who was um, picked she just stood out she's got so much energy she's eloquent she was just yeah she sort of brought her game she's awesome <laughs> she's brilliant yeah and she's the first person that I thought of when you contacted us to kind of be like actually yes because like I said I really appreciate you um letting me share this platform but I don't think it's my place to share my story as a white woman in England you know very different perspective so um she's yeah she's my sort of uh, the first person that I thought she's brilliant Awesome. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time out to, to chat with us and giving us the, the download on PMDD, on PME, on what IAPMD, you know, all the resources that, resources that you guys provide. And um, I just have one last question. What affirmation would you give your younger self? Oh, now I was thinking about this today. Um, I think one of my, it's more of a quote than an affirmation. So my mom said to me when I was about 18 and I still use it. I do have an affirmation too. I'm going to be greedy. No, um, <laughs> it's only a problem when there's no solution. Mm. I like that one. And in terms of affirmations, I would say, looking back, you're just so much capable than you think you are. I just, yeah. I was a mess for many, many years um, due to PMDD and, you know, all the things that come with that panic attacks and anxiety and the knock-on effect that has from not being able to perhaps continue work or go to work and, you know, have all these normal things that you think you're supposed to have. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah, can I, I add that. just one other thing? Yeah, give as me well. another one. <laughs> so it's, well, it's a bit different. It's something we were speaking about the other day, okay. and it's about IAPMD. And I just wanted to say to everyone listening, you know, we are always trying to diversify, and we we want women of color and people of color on our boards. We want them as peer support providers. We want them as volunteers. We want them on our youth advisory board. You know, there is a space there. There is a platform, and we want to to hold that space and build a platform for people who are interested and want to be involved and, and share their story and share their time. So um, yeah, please know that it's a, an open invitation to please 
look at the website, contact us, see how you can get involved. Um, because it's something we want and feel genuinely is really, really important. So, yes, yes. So contact them um, if you want to be a part of the movement that they have. Like she said, like we are needed in these spaces and this is the door. I'm opening the door for y'all. Like walk in. This yeah. is it. <laughs> um, yes, all of the, please. Yeah. So all of the contact information um, for IAPMD will be in the description below um, as well as their website. Definitely check it out. Send it to a friend if you think a friend might, you know, this might resonate with them. But um, yeah, thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate you you stopping in and the connection that you're that you're making and the work that you guys are doing. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Um, thank you to everybody that's listening. Um, thanks for tuning in for yet another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. We appreciate you and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>